Yep, I get it. I know exactly what you're thinking. Here we go. Another podcast. Well, you know what? I'm here to tell you something. This just isn't any other podcast. This is the Vision Life 365 podcast, where we give you a front row seat to organic missionary work. My name is Jason Sykes, and I'm here with my co-host, Gary Hale, and we're coming to you from beautiful San Pedro de Macorís, Dominican Republic. We're here serving with the DR Vision team. Our podcast is designed to encourage you towards Great Commission living. Along the way, you get to see the good, the bad, and even sometimes the ugly of missionary work. We hope to encourage and challenge you on your personal sanctification and ministry walk. Here we go. Well, Gary, it's good to be back here uh, checking up on you, finding out what's going on in your life, what's been going on with you this week. Every time I catch you off guard, man, every time. you get Oh, I thought we were going it. in a different direction, and so, yeah, you, you, you threw me for a loop there. But You, uh, you drive in San Pedro, don't you? Yeah, so, you know, I'll tell, I tell, you, I tell you, talking about driving, I went to the Capitol this week in order to get some seats for the seminary, mm-hmm. you know, room, and spent... I mean, spent like all day. You know how it is. I mean, going to three price marts, mm-hmm. which is basically like our Costco, Costco, Sam Club, yeah, kind of Sam thing. Club, and went to three different locations. Uh, first one, the website said they had the chairs. Went there, they did not. Being an introvert, I didn't ask anybody. I didn't pull any. So I was like, I'll just go to the next one. I don't really want to do that. I go across town. I get there. And I find the sign for the seats, but the seats aren't there. Oh no! So I take a picture of the seat and I go to customer service. No, I go to I go to this guy and I said this clerk and I said, "Do you have these seats?" And he was like, "Well, you can go over there to customer service." And so and he didn't really. He just kind of pointed in a general direction. So I, I can't. And the lines are packed. And so I, I don't know. So I wander around the store, seeing if I can find the seats myself. I can't. I go to another clerk, and I was like, I think that guy told me. He's like, why didn't the guy call? He could. He can call himself. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. He just told me I needed customer service. Where's that? So he points me to customer service. I go there. The The customer service then um, needs to call the warehouse or whatever, or, you know, that they, they have these. And so then a woman comes out, and she's got like 10 of these things. Oh, no. And, and so they're like, oh, that's the last that we have on the floor. And, but we have more in stock. Okay, so can I wait? No, you can't wait because we can't pull the the forklift down while there's customers. So I said you yeah. have so you have this in store. You have this in store, but I can't buy them. Right. You would have to wait until after store closing hours. I said, Okay, so I can buy them, wait until store closing hours, and then you'll get them down and, and give them to me. No. no. You'll wait until after store closing hours and then we'll come tell back. you that you can come back tomorrow and get them. Oh my word. <laughs> I said, no, you got to be kidding me. And so, yeah, so they, so the lady who bought like the 10 or whatever that they had, they come out and they pull them out and they let me sit in it. And so I was like, yep, that's what I want, but I can't get. And so she puts it back up. She wheels it out. She's gone. And they're like, you know, um, you can stand around until, you know, so this was like six or seven o'clock. And she's saying, wait until after nine oh, to no. then be told that I can come back tomorrow to thank you <laughs> to so much. Them. And so and now I got to find another price mark. So, you know, I'm going to make the wrong turn. And, you know, anyway, I finally got to the third price mark and they had them. And it was like, I mean, there was just a elation inside, you know, I mean, after all day and you're giving up. The old and, baseball analogy, you know, three strikes and you're finally right, out. Right, so. right. And so I was, I mean, I was all in, man, all in. I'd spent all day looking for these things. And so finally I found them. And so that was like, I, you know, you know me, I'm not an extrovert guy. I'm not a shout hallelujah, but certainly on the inside, I, I, I was, I was pretty pumped. And well, so, speaking of pumped, I'm pretty pumped uh, yeah. as well. I think probably since, um, goodness, I had Carlos over my house, uh, about a week ago or so. Yeah. I think it was about a week ago. And, uh, we talked about seminary, decided we were launching on June 1st. Yeah. Um, and I think probably since that time, I put a good 50, 60 hours into prep work to get yeah. everything ready to go. But things are starting to fall into place though. Yep. I'm seven, seven lessons into the 12 full lessons that uh, we're going to do the 12 weeks we're going to do. So I'm pretty pumped about that. I'd like to, if I've got time, uh, do kind of like a, a little follow along, not, not, you know, not read, read along with me kind of thing, but just a little preemptive audio that they can listen to, to get them prepped and mm-hmm. thinking in that direction before we get to the class. 
Um, and then, you know, PowerPoint presentations, that kind of stuff to, to kind of wrap it up. But I'm pretty yeah. pumped. Very yeah, pumped. we're pretty excited about that. I mean, we had a, uh, a church that kind of leaned into this project to help us get our uh, a room set up. And so, you know, so that we just have the good dynamics. So we've got a video, proje- a new video projector, a camera. Yep. You've mentioned that in the future, whether or not it's this summer, but in the future, we want to be able to record these um, so that other people in other countries uh, stream stream or record. Uh, for people in Venezuela and across yeah, the Caribbean. Cuba, you name it. Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot too, even just as far as if we kind of roll this thing out kind of step by step. Yeah. And uh, I've already been meeting with, uh, I talked to Carlos uh, Cruz yesterday about testing and all that so we can get that stuff online because I'd like that stuff centralized so that uh, we can point people to the website and let them do their testing and everything, have a webpage for all that, and they can just kind of. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm very excited, yeah. uh, not just from the academic aspect of it, but yeah. of a read and a study and, and dig deeper. And um, there's nothing like teaching to kind of challenge you and push you outside your box a little bit, because yeah. it's one thing to understand a concept in your own heart, but uh, it's a whole different thing to try to communicate that, communicate that concept um, in a way that, uh, for instance, repentance, you know, it's a simple word, but how do you explain it? Right. How do you explain it in a way that uh, is is... Uh, what's the word? Faithful to the faithful to the yeah. translation of the word, but not taking it to too far of a level where to work. And yeah, you got what right. I'm saying. Yeah, sure. So that's kind of what I'm working through right now, as far as. Uh, Are you saying I need to repent? <laughs> you might need to. I don't know. What's the Holy Spirit telling you? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, kind of on that line, I'd like to. Uh, we can talk a little bit. Uh, something I think we could we could dive into a little bit here, and that is uh, discipleship. You know, one of the things you you and I have talked about with the seminary. Uh, we are definitely academic in nature, uh, but we kind of want to maintain an atmosphere of, of discipleship in the sense that we don't want people just to come and sit and fill their heads up. Uh, we want to we want them to take what they're learning. We want to take and have them apply it. In fact, in the, the end of a lot of the lessons that I'm preparing, um, kind of it's a, it's a last conclusion challenge. Okay, based on what you've learned this week, how does that change what you do this coming week? Mm-hmm. Um, and so let's just talk a little bit about uh, discipleship. Yeah, so how would you define it? Because that's a word that I'm hearing. Everyone, you know, about 20 years ago, you didn't hear it as much, in our circles at least. Now everyone's talking about discipleship, yeah. and it means a uh, lot of different things. of things, right. I've, got, I've talked to people that, uh, and actually I've read some books recently, um, d- dug into some stuff. You know, I think you cannot separate evangelism and discipleship, okay? Mm-hmm. Just putting those two things together. I think you cannot just witness to somebody or testify to somebody without being willing to make the investment to 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 teach them, to walk mm-hmm. with them. And I think that's what discipleship is, is walking alongside somebody as they grow uh, in their walk with the Lord. Uh, yeah, Greg Ogden, in, in one of his books... Um, talks about it being like two oars in, in a rowboat, mm-hmm. you know. And so any ministry, from a ministry perspective, a ministry that's just focused on evangelism is like a ministry that has a rowboat in the water and just has that oar. You're going to, to do what? You're right. going to go in a in circle. circles, right. Right. And other ministries that just want to focus in on discipleship, but maybe a misunderstanding of what discipleship is yep. and, and neglect the evangelism aspect. I mean, it's hard to disciple somebody if they're not. I mean, you, you, I don't know that you, you can't disciple. You can lay the groundwork, but you can't disciple somebody that's not a believer. Right. You know what I'm saying? But there's exactly. a lot of stuff that happens even before someone receives the Lord, if you have a relationship with them, yes. that then later kind of grows. What you could even almost kind of term as discipleship a little bit, You kind of, what, yeah. which is the point that I'm, I'm really trying to make. And I, I think that this is something that, that for me, um, you know, I saw, and I want to be real careful that I'm not critical here, because I think this is a tendency for everyone everywhere, but I saw the gospel being a program in the American church. I, I, re- I really saw that in a, in a big way. It's kind of like, we're going to have visitation. Visitation is on Saturday between the hours of 10 and 12, and we're going to go out and we're going to knock doors. We're going to talk to people during this time. And there wasn't really a concept of, hey, this is not just for 10, you know, 8 and 10 or 10 mm-hmm. and 12 on a Saturday. No, this is every day. This is, in, and we've talked about this in other, in other podcasts, but I, I just really want to kind of zero in. Um, you know, I've got two major experiences in my life that have really just convinced me in this area of life on life. And uh, one of them was years ago, I worked at, well, not worked, uh, was part of a Bible study at Michigan Tech University when I was at college, when I was in college at Northland. And uh, we did two. We've done two. We did two different styles there. I guess you could say we had a formal Bible study that we prepared. We were in one of the university rooms, and 
whatnot. But we also had a time afterwards. It was one dollar Whopper night on Wednesdays, um, and I had my. That's sh- a good deal. Oh man, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could almost call it communion, but not so much. But anyway, I guess you couldn't call it Coke communion. What, so Burger King gave you a one a one dollar Whopper. One dollar Whopper on Wednesday. So we went, and then we always had that formal Bible study, and then we would go to the to Burger King, the only one in town, because it was up in the middle of nowhere. I don't know if you've ever been into the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, but. It's nowhere. No, it's like a foreign country, isn't it? Pretty much. Yeah. And um, but man, so many lives were poured into there at Burger King. So much, I guess I would say, change took place at Burger King because there. And we always use it, and maybe I overuse it, but there was just an organic connection. Mm-hmm. There wasn't that the, we lost a formality. And listen, I'm I'm a hundred percent. We got to teach. There's got to be. There's got to be doctrine taught and poured into. Let me be devil's advocate. Did that? Did the formal class not set you up though for the informal to be more successful? In other words, were you not making these out of class relationships based upon these people were in the class? Well, yeah. And let me hit fast forward a little bit yeah. because I think that what I'm about to say will tie exactly into that. Um, again. I read a lot and there's so much, there's so much jargon and lingo out there regarding discipleship and all that kind of stuff. I really didn't uh, have a system per se in Venezuela. It's just something that kind of developed for us. Um, but we had people who were sincerely desiring to grow in their faith. And so, uh, we divided the church into four groups. And, um, if somebody was a new believer, brand new believer, we had a printed material that we would give them, mm-hmm. which was like, like that was the formal yeah, class. First steps or yep. something. Yeah. And so what we did in that, and, and, and not to just throw them out, you know, sink or swim kind of deal, but I would send them home with it. And I'd say, listen, I know that you don't, this is brand new to you. You know, give them a Bible. And you probably don't know where Genesis is. That's okay. Here's the front. Here's how you find your way around. This is how you find the, the, the book you're looking for. Start working on this this week. And I don't care if you get two questions done. It's okay. Work on those. Let's get back together next week, and we'll talk about where where we went and and see what you you learned in that. I did that for a reason. The Bible says, "As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word." Man, that pretty much qualified right off right out of the gate whether or not they wanted to even try. Um, man, I'm I'll say at least fifty percent. You know, Pastor, I'm really busy. I don't have time for that. Um, we're probably the same people that also didn't want to show up to discipleship too, when there was discipleship available as far as the one-on-one side. And so mm-hmm. we did kind of a two-tier, uh, and the two-tier was that we would, um, or maybe even call it three-tier, I sent them home formally with something to go over, and we'd work through the doctrine on that. Uh, but then we'd have every Sunday, we divided the church into four groups, and I can't do this with a real big church, but you could divide it amongst some of your leaders. We would have 25% of the church over every Sunday. And because of the situation in Venezuela, we'd have a meal. We had a time where we sat down and ate, opened our hearts up. And during that time, we saw some tremendous growth out of a lot of people. Now, like we just talked about, like you just said, there was a time where these same people were at home digging on their own because they would come to discipleship with three or four or five questions that they would throw out there. And we would deal with the question together. Uh, in the group. And, you know, sometimes I couldn't answer every question. Sometimes we weren't sure. Sometimes I have to say, hey, give me a week. And and I learned I learned the value of transparency. I learned the value of showing that we need grace, too, because we're still in the process of growing. And and I and so going back to your question, yeah, that was kind of the whole inclusive kind of you have the formal, you have the informal. I really don't think you can do one without the other. I think there's got to be some motivation on their part to, to dig and then when you come together, I think that's the time when you grab them hand by hand, really, and and walk them through, man, their first trials. You know, when they when because I think many times that's when you, I don't believe in losing your salvation, but I do believe that's when you kind of lose people. You know, they hit their first bump, they don't know how to respond. Um, depending on how the gospel is shared with them, you know, if it was the, you know, pray the magic prayer, then they're pretty disillusioned when they hit their first spiritual bump. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So anyway, that's that's kind of how we did it there, and and. And it's not the majority of people in church that commit themselves to it. It's really a small handful that really jump in deep. But man, the ones that do, uh, we just saw really, really grabbed and went. And then they look for other times. Um, you know, uh, we don't, ha- we didn't have to force that. They would drop in every once in a while. Hey, we're in the area. Can we just stop by? And yeah. And then as we're there, 
because of of their growing it was just a natural course of conversation we didn't have to force it i didn't have to say take your bibles out let's look at they would say hey pastor we're going through this this week what what do you think yeah so well i think that that's addressing though um a perceived need because if you depending on how you read the scriptures read the gospels about what this is all about and what we're to be about is going to align what you do so what you're mm-hmm. what you're talking about here is intersecting of the gospel with everyday life. Yep. Okay. And so you feel that it's important that you help equip them to be able to feed themselves, be able to discern how the Holy Spirit is speaking to them in their life through the word of God and how it intersects with, with their life and uh, help them, especially in those early days mm-hmm. to, to walk with the Lord. Sure. Okay. But I would say that there's a lot of churches that I mean, that all sounds nice. That's just a lot of work, and quite frankly, we don't have time for that. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's the mentality of a lot of churches in the United yeah. States. Good churches, people that's, that believe good doctrine, and that's that, you know, bowie, we, bowie, scary. <laughs> it is scary, but uh, you know, the whole idea is, um, you know, it's it's just a an evangelism focus without the follow through and yes. the discipleship and, yes. and equipping them to then become evangelists themselves in their own way, in their own context. You know, gospel. I know you, I know you know this, I know you feel this, but there's, there's a solemn responsibility though, that we have, you know, when you go through the great commission, Matthew 28, 19, 20 is traditionally called that's, I mean, there's a passage of Mark as well, but we no. traditionally look at Matthew 28, 19 and 20 as being the great commission. And it, it, there's 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 several parts of that that are super important. Uh, first of all, we're commanded to go, uh, and then at- well, really, I mean, if uh, and you know this, I'm, I'm not trying to point it out, but it's really the participle as you are going. Yes, you know, so it's it's assumed that you are. It's assumed that you are going in Matthew 28, right? Um, and so the emphasis there, and I'm trying to it up so I can talk. But here's here's what's interesting too, um, and I'm sure you've seen this. But you know, in the in the King James, ha! <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know what the King James says, and, and, and this might catch some people off guard. So you know, come on, don't man. drop, don't don't, watch Jason, it, watch don't it. drop Jason's support. Uh, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Mm-hmm. Okay, but the word in the Greek is. Discipleship. Yes. I mean, disciples. Yes. So in the King James, it reads, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. But now the New King James, for instance, um, translates it disciples. Go therefore and make disciples mm-hmm. of all nations. Mm-hmm. So for several hundred years. What is that? Mathe 2, Mathe something, Mathe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the one. And so it's really an apprentice. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you are supposed, we're supposed, the Great Commission is to go out and make these followers, people who are like apprentices of Jesus. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, if you take that for three, four hundred years of just teach, then you're going to do your ministry. You could do your ministry just one way. Mm-hmm. And you could think that discipleship. You were not even thinking discipleship. You were thinking teaching. And so that's where the pulpit ministry um, has been traditionally so important. And it is, and it is biblical. Sure. But I would say you cannot fully disciple from the pulpit. No, because how can how can you directly pour into Jesus poured directly into the lives of the disciples? Yes. He dealt with them, each of them on an individual level, especially when you think of Peter. You know, when Peter messed up. Uh, if you really go back to the John passage, when when he deals with with Peter and the, the the standing by the coal fire, if you do just a word search on coal fire, you'll find the only two times that Peter stands in front of a coal fire is first of all when he denied, and the second of all when he's confronted by Jesus, "Do you love me?" Mm-hmm. And and it's very interesting in that because you know it's kind of like a deja vu moment for for Peter, and yet yet Jesus. Jesus basically shares with him in that moment that God's going to use him in a tremendous way that he's not, you know, washed up. He's not outside, but he Jesus poured into his disciples nonstop. Yeah. So you, so you have Jesus teaching multitudes, teaching groups of followers. That's mm-hmm. very clear in the gospel, uh, that he's in a teaching context, whether that be he's standing on a boat and everybody's gathered around on the hillside and he's speaking or whether he's in a religious, like, you know, the temple or the synagogue. Mm-hmm. And he's, and he, there is teaching that is going on by Jesus Christ. 
relaying the scriptures and how he fits it and how he completes it. Okay. But then uh, it doesn't stop there. Right. There's these conversations on the way. There are helping him uh, when he's ministering to people. There are little tasks that he rolls out to his followers. And increasingly, they get harder in, in their responsibility, what they're to do. But even in the feeding of the 5,000 on the hillside, he asks them to have a part in that. Right. And he's doing the main thing, you know. Uh, but they have a, a part in that. What are they doing? They're learning. Yep. And so what I would say, like even going back to when you mentioned about the, the you know, Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., uh, you know, soul winning, you know, visitation is sometimes the greatest effect is of those type of things is not necessarily what you think. It is really the process that you're, you're, you're taking people out just so they can get out of their shell, just so they realize, hey, I'm standing up for the gospel, right. that I'm going out there. And you might not have anybody. The pressure, the, the wind there may not be, and I got to, you know, yes, you want people to genuinely receive the Lord. Yeah. But if nobody receives it, but somebody gets encouraged about, man, you know, it feels good going out there and just witnessing and all that. And so sometimes, sometimes events accomplish different things than what we think. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's part of the process. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Bible is clear to be bold about our faith. Absolutely. Yeah. But but I think we, you know, one of the things in the lessons I'm putting together is the two missing elements in the modern gospel. One of them is the Holy Spirit. And the other one is repentance. Yeah. And those are two huge issues because if you if you preach an easy believism gospel that doesn't have repentance in it, then 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 it's kind of like, you know, go through the drive through and get all your prizes. And, but there's never any, you know, when you go to book of James, but that's gotta bewilder somebody when they get to James, if they've been sold a false gospel uh, of just, everything's going to be happy go lucky. And you've just, you know, you've just won the spiritual lottery. You know, there, there's a, there's a matter of humbling yourself and, and surrendering to God's absolute authority in your life, man, this is really serious, but here's the thing. Uh, this week I stopped off at a new little grocery store. Yeah, and I found a big bag of Cracker Jacks. <laughs> now you're like, where are you going with this? But I you know what's you, inside of the Cracker Cracker Jacks? That's yeah, tattoos. No, a little toy. <laughs> and so when you said that about you know going through the drive-through and getting your little uh, toy, you I, thought yeah, Cracker Jacks. I thought Cracker Jacks. Yeah. I was like, man, I ate that whole bag that day. <laughs> the whole bag. Wow, was it yeah. good? Was it a little bag or a big bag? Oh, it's a pretty big bag. Oh, nice. It was bigger than what I needed to eat. But that, you know, but to your point. Uh, people look for the benefits of little toys and gadgets. Right. That's what they're, that's why, you know, that's why kids, I mean, they market to kids so that, you know, it's not that the kid really cares about the food, they care about the toy. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, on lots of products. And so we buy that. Well, same thing with the gospel. Many times we, we roll it out as, I mean, I'll never forget, um, hearing the testimony of a, of a baseball player, not the testimony of the baseball player, the testimony of my father-in-law with a baseball player that had come into the church and he wanted to talk to my father-in-law after the service. And he said, I'm ready to accept the Lord. And, and my father-in-law, Doug asked him, you know, what, what is your, you know, you know, why are you here? What, you know, what brings you to this point to realize that you need the Lord? And he said, well, I'm trying to sign a professional contract. Yeah. And I know that if I sign the contract that God is going to, you know, let me assign. Well, he, he, you know, talking about a lack of repentance, he didn't realize he was a sinner. He didn't realize Jesus, God is holy. Jesus, Jesus was a good luck charm. Yeah, he was a good luck charm. Now, um, you know, some people, I, I know some people that would be like, well, just lead them in a prayer. And, you know, but <laughs> you even said it like they would say, it. <laughs> yeah, Iron man, let, you know, let the Lord clean them up. But, and I, and, and, and yes, the Lord does clean them up. But here's the thing. He doesn't even, he not, is not even admitting. His, his right. spiritual need. My fear, going back again, is the responsibility of my my side to be true to what the Bible says, to be true to the gospel, and not not misrepresent. I was just reading in a book today. I think it was Ogden. Uh, maybe mistaken on. No, no, no. It was another one. But it, but it was uh, basically he said Jesus Jesus said repent. Those were the first. You know, when John the Baptist was, was preaching, he said repent. That was repentance is part of the deal. You can't, you can't get away from that. You can't get away from the, you know, like I said, you know, growing up for me, it was, well, do you want to go to heaven? You know, Jesus loves you. Uh, you know, but we did never talk about, or we would talk about sin in a real general sense, but there was no personal connection and no understanding of God's authority, no understanding of, you know, I typically don't start a gospel presentation with Romans. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I go to Psalm 24, one, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's his. He owns it. He owns you. Whether you admit it or not, he owns you. You are his. Mm-hmm. 
Philippians 2 says, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In other words, the whole world is going to acknowledge his authority one day. Mm-hmm. But are you willing to accept his authority right now? Yeah. And um, so that's huge. And, and you can't force that because the other side of that is the Holy Spirit. And that is, uh, I saw this so many times in Venezuela too, talking to neighbors. Um, you know, here and in a lot of Latin American countries, Catholicism is so strong. And so you, you, it's almost like they're afraid that you're, you know, in a sense for them going to lose their salvation, their confidence is in the church or confidence is in that structure, what they believe. And so if they listen to you for too much, or if they give ear to too much of what you're saying, they're fearful of, of kind of losing, you know, connection with the church. And I know with my neighbors, so many times he would open a door and I'd start to walk through it. And then as I'm walking through it, I could sense that door shutting. I could sense him kind of clamming up. And I think he still never gave his life to Christ, but there is still a door open there that we communicate every once in a while by Facebook, every once in a while. And that was three, three years ago in Venezuela. So I think there's something to be said about realizing two things. Number one, I need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I've got to have an open line of communication with him to, to sense if he's speaking to my heart saying, hey, hold up, big boy. You know, you, you, you're not trying to push somebody in something that they're not ready for, because ultimately it's between that person and God. You can't negotiate that. You can't make that connection. You can't go to God and say he's a really good guy, you know, and you can't go to the other person and say, well, you know, you can't convince them. They have to come to a point of personal conviction in their life. They have to respond to that conviction. And again, it's just it's between them and God. And so, you know, I'm dealing with those two missing elements in in uh, as far as class is concerned right now is and going back again. It's just like, I mean, going out to the hardware store, have that conversation. Mm-hmm. If the Holy Spirit, you can sense, man, this guy's not receiving it too well. Leave yeah. that door open. Leave. Don't, don't slam that door. Well, brother, if you die right now, you know, it's that question is fine. Sometimes mm-hmm. it really is. But don't slam that door shut just so you can walk out and, and tell people, yeah, I witnessed to 45 people today. Yeah, but did you close the door to the gospel in the future because you were more concerned with a number than you were concerned with seeing a genuine change take place in that person? Yeah, I think there's uh, there there are bench, benchmarks might not be the right word. Uh, there are anchor points in things that we need to communicate Um and share with someone when we're sharing mm-hmm. the gospel. You know, there, there, there are certain things that they need to understand. And many texts in the scriptures can, can relate to that or mm-hmm. share that. The struggle, um, that a lot of people have is they only, they can only think they have one, they have one method, one mode of sharing the gospel. The Romans road. And so they can't adapt for anything in a real conversation. It's just like, it's A B C, and that's it. It's been pro. It's been turned into a program rather than something. Because mm-hmm. what you're saying is, and this is this is scary. There's there's not a gospel literacy in our churches. In fact, a lot of times I've seen this happen so many times. Uh, hey, pastor, you know my friend really wants to, to know Jesus. Can you talk to him? Man, why don't you talk to him? Why don't you share? This is if your faith ought to be something. You know, in the lessons, again, that I'm preparing, I say in the lesson, if if this is God's most important message that he's given us, and we have that responsibility, that stewardship of his message, if he didn't just rapture us the moment we got saved, he's left us here for a reason, and that reason is to share and carry his message. And we, we, we've got a pretty strong accountability and a pretty strong responsibility with that. That's, that should, but, but we've... Our philosophy of church and our philosophy of those things is wrong because we view the church as being the place of bringing unbelievers for them to get saved rather than the church equipping the saints to go out and do the work of the gospel. And so it's not really the pastor's job, although he should be just as active at the Great Commission as anybody else. It's not his job to bring everybody into him and then the pastor witnesses to everybody. No, it's it's everybody's job in the church to do the work of the Great Commission. And then they come on Sunday or whatever day of the week that you choose, and, and they're you know, Spanish, but capacitado, they're, you know, they're, they're prepared to go again and do that work of the gospel and share and, and, and share Christ, but he should be their life. Right. Right. And, and so, you know, the, um, the thing that would be very shocking for a lot of pastors is if they did a survey. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, uh, I've done this before, uh, like in one of our classes, if you want to shock yourself, give a survey to ask questions like explain the elements of the gospel or mm-hmm. explain the gospel. <laughs> and, and you start getting 
20, I guarantee, I can almost guarantee you that in many churches, you would have, you would have like 10, 15 different answers. And when you start reading these, the way people put it, and you, then you have to come, then you have to ask yourself, is this the, okay, some people are going to express it a little bit differently, but then some person mentions repentance, one person doesn't mention repentance. They can't both be right. Right. So you got to make a decision. One person really understands, one person doesn't. You know, uh, and so you're going to find that there are so many different answers on what is the gospel. That was the question. Uh, how do you share the gospel? What does a sinner need to know? What does a sinner need to, and I put do in quotes because, mm-hmm. you know, it's by grace, through sure, faith. Sure. But, but what, how does he need to respond might be the better word. How, what does a sinner need to respond? And if you, if you start listing these questions in a typical church, you're going to be all over the map. And that's going to show you, now that's going to be scary to receive that feedback. But then it shows you, wow, we need to really solidify what people understand about the gospel. Right. Even to things like repentance, because do you need to repent of 20% of your sins? Do you need to repent of 70% of your sins? Yeah. And there, there's tension points there. You right. know, when you bring up sure. repentance, like in Appalachia, you've got, um, you know, which, you know, I can say because I'm from West Virginia, not <laughs> my, <laughs> not my home church. But in in West Virginia, in a lot of the, the country churches, there's huh. this idea that repentance means you got to pray through. Well, they would say pray through. You know, you go mm-hmm. at the altar, you got to be weeping over your sins, and so they add all this kind of a money. Now, should you be concerned about your sin? You certainly should be. Some people cry, some people don't. The measure of whether or not your seriousness is not on near tears. Right. You don't count tears to measure repentance. Right. And so repentance is a is a change of mind, yep. a change of direction. And so that's not nece- that's not necessarily um uh you know crying, you know, crocodile tears uh, over your sin, but it is a it is a it is a total change. It, it's as if you're going one direction in your life and you realize that the direction I'm going is is going to lead me to separation from from God and yep. that I, I and I'm a sinner and on this road. So whatever it doesn't really matter. It's like all directions going the same place. Okay? So whether or not you're on a a religious a church, uh, you know, you're an atheist, you're a, you know, a philosopher, you've made your own religion. It doesn't really matter. You're going, let's say you're going one direction. Okay. And you realize that. And then you realize what Christ did for you. Yep. And so in your mind, there is that, that turning and that, that, that desire I'm, I'm going toward Christ. You, you know? know, one of the best things that's ever happened to me was my father-in-law, uh, discipled me. He put together a study. He traveled around a little bit and did it for a while, kind of like an evangelist, but not so much. He did it in a couple Bible institutes. It was called Understanding the Gospel. Really helped define those things, you know, because you, there's, there's a few little things I could throw at you, like, um, you know, are we saved by Christ's death on the cross or are we saved by the blood? Well, if, if, if we're in Appalachia, <laughs> we're saved by the blood, brother. Mm-hmm. You know, but how, how does that work? How are we saved by the blood? Does yeah. it, does it, is it the death or is it the blood? Well, the wages of sin is death. So when Jesus died, he paid the sin debt, but he carried his blood in before the Father, just like they did in the Old Testament. And that blood was the, that the Bible says we're justified by the blood. That blood was the justification and was the testimony. It was the witness before God that that sacrifice was a perfect sacrifice. That's what God was asking for as proof. That's what we did in the Old Testament. That's what Jesus did in the New Testament. So there's a lot of those things that, you know, are we born again or are we adopted? Mm-hmm. You know, well, if you if you look at spiritual death, we're, we're born again. Right. You know, so there's a lot of those things that that are are essential but it's how do you present them how do you know that somebody gets the and like there I said, different dimensions right in, in that yeah. and, and my biggest thing starting off with the gospel no matter how you do it is just god is the absolute authority mm-hmm. period you if you're not willing to accept that then then we really can't move forward because if you don't accept his absolute authority then you have no concept of of sinning against him because you don't accept his his authority in your so, life so that's where the discipleship comes in because if you start with that that okay i'm I'm not just getting a get out of hell ticket here or get out of hell hell card um, like the Monopoly game, but that I'm actually turning from the direction I was going to follow Christ, then uh, the salvation is just the first step right. in a journey of, right. of, of following him. Colossians 2.6 2, Colossians 2, says, as you therefore receive Christ Jesus the Lord... How do we receive him? Repentance and faith. So walk you in him. 
Yeah. And so you, you continue this journey. Now, what we've done in uh, many churches, I think, is we've made discipleship as sort of like an add-on add-on feature or an extra combo or whatever. You know, you go in McDonald's and you say, I'll, I'll take combo one. Uh, do you want to medium size that, large size it, super size it, you know? And uh, isn't, isn't it crazy, the, the, the restaurants here, the... The drinks are so small compared to back home. I go back home, I get a medium. It's like this. It's like super grande here. Comes with wheels. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're so large back home in the States. But but here's the thing. We look at, it's like, okay, you can you can get saved, but you don't have to be discipled. Right. You, know, you don't need to follow, you know, follow Christ. And you get this, you know, just say the prayer and, and, and be done. And uh, we've really tiered it where I don't think the gospel tears it. He's looking for followers christ followers disciples yeah. all in and you know what you know what scares me is when you get to the matthew matthew passage that says that one day people are going to say to him lord lord haven't we cast out demons and and done all this stuff in your name and when i think of uh, demon caster outers i don't think of your sideline people who i think of somebody that i would probably qualify as being pretty spiritual and yet he's going to say depart from me i never knew you mm-hmm. in other words they had they had a perception of spirituality but there wasn't a relationship there and so that's a huge whole other podcast because we can talk about, you know, is being a Christian different than being a disciple. Oh, I thought the demon caster outers. I, thought, I was thinking <laughs> no, how that, that could be too. How that fit on your name badge. Nice. Demon caster outer. <laughs> thanks for, thanks for calling. Um, uh, how, what, what it's the, like Ghostbusters only. What, what, would the, what, what would the hold music be for something like that? <laughs> so, you know, just kind of coming around here to the end, we'll wrap this up in the next few minutes, but it's just, I, there's such a dynamic to pouring into lives. And I, I, I think too, that there's something that helps people see grace in our lives when we go through difficulty and they come to us and they say, pray for me, I'm going through such and such. And you go, you know what? It's okay. Cause I'm going through the same thing. So if you'll pray for me, I'll pray for you. And they see God's grace in your life on an active basis in a real way and real life situation. I think we saw people change through that vulnerability, not because we were perfect, but actually because we struggled just like they did. And they realized that and they thought, wow, this is real. This is real life. This is not just mm-hmm. something we do on Sunday, but this guy's living it and he struggles too. And so so when maybe they had a emotionally bad day or maybe they didn't get along with their spouse or maybe they 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 didn't respond to a situation correctly at work. Well, you know what? Guess what? The guy who's walking with me in this process, he's been in it's a lot longer than I have, but he still struggles, too. But he's he's plugging on and I've seen how God is faithful in his life. Mm-hmm. And so I can see that I, he he's faithful to me, too. Yeah. So, well, I mean, uh, you know, going back to what you mentioned before about Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me. Uh, in heaven on earth, mm-hmm. uh, so Jesus has the authority, and so He He uh, commissions us to go out and make disciples. How do we do that? We baptize them, but then we also teach them to obey whatsoever yes. He has commanded. And so, you know, we're teaching them, uh, and He's working. And He says at the very end, "I am with you always, in, always." Even to the end of the earth. Even to the end of the earth, the end of the age. And so Sorry, we have age. everything we need. Yeah. We have everything we yeah. need to help somebody in life. We have his authority, his power working in us. And if we teach the if we teach our disciples, teach his disciples um, how to obey him and follow him. And we're not talking like uh, things that so often the church has gotten hung up on, like you know, style of pants and length right. of hair. We're not yes. talking about that. We're talking about Jesus says to love your enemies. Jesus says, um, you know, Bless as a man thinks, you, right, yeah. right. You know, how you think um, about a, a woman is important. It's not just whether or not you commit an act with her that's adultery. Exactly. It's your mind. All these things Jesus gives us. Um, I mean, if you just studied the words of Christ, just studied the words of Christ on how to live the life, how to interact with enemies, <laughs> you how to, to read the thoughts, you're going to be working for yeah. well till he comes, yeah, till you die. I mean, well, and then you have the whole. There. Then you're, you got the other aspect of sanctification that it's not so much you working on stuff, but it's more just surrendering to the promptings of the Spirit. And, and yeah, and I think that's a big part. It's because, and I think that's what Paul's trying to get at, at Galatians. Yeah, is that he says, you know, have, have you? And I'm paraphrasing now, but you know, have you received the um, you know, have you received the spirit by, by works, you know, and right. are you going to be sanctified by, by works? 
I mean, so, and that's the thing. A lot of times people are trying to work so hard to change. It really is, again, back to that authority concept. Look, do I surrender all? Because if I, it's a matter of the will. And if I give my will over to him, then I, then as he reveals in his word what I need to do, then he's going to bring me along. He's going to work in me. I just finished that lesson. And that's exactly how the, my father-in-law discipled me that, you know, you've got the, your intellect, you got your emotions and you have your will, you know, you could, let's just say your car blows up. This is an explanation. He, he gives a lot of times your car blows up. Well, you can intellectually know that you need another car. You know, yeah. that's a mental ascent. I need another car. You can go to the car lot and you can check them out and you can see, you know, you find your car, man. You even call it your car. But it ain't your car until you send on the dotted line. It is not your car until you make that decision of the will that you're you're committed 100 percent and that you put your name on that line that says for the next five years you're paying the payments or you're going to hand over a chunk of ch- a cash. That's when, you know, to put it in other words, when faith becomes sight, that that is when that's when the rubber meets the road. That's when the change truly takes place is when you say, no, I, I'm I, I know I need to give my life to Christ. Well, man, I really want to. Hmm. But. I choose to get out. I, and, and you know what was, I don't want to say cool, but I've seen that play out right in front of my eyes. I'll never forget sitting in the front row of our church. A woman came forward. He shared this message, understanding the gospel. She understood it. And he was sitting there and he, he went through. He just says, ma'am, it, it's between you and him. You've got to give your life to him. Mm-hmm. And she looked at him and she said, I just can't do it. Yeah. She knew. She knew. And that's one thing I, I wanted, you know, as we're, I'm teaching to have the confidence that you've you've shared what you need to share after that's between them and God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and so I would say one other thing I would sneak in here would be um, there would be some accusations when people hearing this. Oh, you're teaching like a lordship salvation. Well, we have to deter- define the terms. Mm-hmm. You know, if you mean uh, a lordship salvation in the in the sense of. You have to know about all these sins and decide to change those before you receive the Lord, and you know basically clean up your own life. Then, right. th- then we're not say- we're not using it in that sense. But He is our Lord and Savior, is He not? Well, and, and he see. has authority. All you know, He still has the authority. And so, if we mean, look, I understand. I've been. I was going on one way. That was the wrong way. And yes. I realize now that he is, so we're coming back to this concept of repentance. And I realize now that it's only through his work and what he did for me. He is the Savior. He is the Lord. He has the authority. I'm going to give him my life, my soul. Okay, so all this is then is, is a heart attitude. It's a heart attitude. And it's a matter of the will because it really doesn't matter. I mean, it, you know, whatever he says, I'm, that's what I'm going to do. And so it's, it's more of that disposition of the heart. Exactly. It's not a, it's it not a point. It's not a list of 75 things that I need to get fixed up exactly. before I come to him. It is a matter of, it is a disposition of my heart that says he's king. He's, he's absolute authority. He has absolute rights over me. And I acknowledge that. And I'm, I'm, I'm for about lack of a better way to say it. I'm okay with that. That that's the way it should be. Yeah. And, and really repentance is me being, when you talk about that change of mind, it's me being on the throne to him being on the throne. It's, 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 you know, uh, my father-in-law would say people don't, People aren't afraid to come to church because they're afraid they'll get a nice gift. They're afraid to come to church because they're king. And they're afraid that if they come to church, they're going to hear something different and they're going to walk out. They're not going to be on the throne of their life anymore. And that's the fear that they have. They might have to give up something. I'll I'll, I'll wrap up. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Okay. I'll wrap up my side here with the illustration of Venezuela. This is kind of funny, but there was, I, I went to, you know how the backwoods kind of mechanics are in Latin America, you know, the shade tree mechanics. Oh, yeah, right. Mm Mm-hmm. Went to a shade tree mechanic. Some of those guys are good. They're awesome is what they are. But they take a carton of a cardboard box and throw it out there and roll around in the grease, you know. So I'm out there one day getting my car fixed, 78. uh, Yeah, 78 Wagoneer. It was always in the shop. Oh, yeah. Windows didn't work, you know, that kind of thing. But anyway, I was always getting it fixed. And so I'm sitting there one day. This guy comes up and he says, hey, gringo, what are you doing here in Venezuela? You know, things are kind of crazy. And I was like, yeah, we're missionaries and started a church down in this little, you know, city about 15 minutes away. And he says, man, I, he says, you guys evangelical or Catholic? I said, no, we're, we're evangelical, which is the dividing line for them. And he says, I mean, I really like the evangelical church. I said, man, you are more than welcome, welcome to come worship with us. I said, we'd love to have you. Here's where the church is. And he says, well, he says, you know, um, he says, yeah. He said, I thing is, I just like to have my beer now and then. 
I said, dude, you, you come on worship with us. You are more than welcome. You, you know, uh, you can come worship whenever you want to. You're welcome. Uh, you, you know, he's like, yeah, and I, you know, the thing is, I, I just, yeah, I like to have a little beer now and then. I like to drink now and then. I was, I'll let him go about three times saying the same thing. And I said, uh, I said, you know what you're telling me? And he says, what? I said, you're really confessing to me that when you drink, it bothers your conscience. And I said, the Bible says, whatever is not a faith is sin. So what you're telling me is, you know, God doesn't want you to drink, but you are drinking. And that bothers your conscience. And you know, basically, that you have to pick between the drink or you have to pick God because you can't do it with a clear conscience. And he says, yeah. And I said, then you basically told me that that beer is your God because you'd rather serve that beer or you'd rather give yourself to that beer than you would give yourself to God. And he just kind of hung his head and said, I guess you're right. And that that is the issue is he didn't want he he wanted to if it was convenient. But when it came to a cost, when it came to him giving up and he knew it bothered his conscience and he knew I didn't have to preach a message to him. He knew he had to choose between one or the other. Yeah, for for him where he was at. And you were not saying, yeah, you can't come to church unless. Oh, no. And that's I told him, I said, do you do you you notice? I said, I've never said one time anything about beer. I yeah. said, I never said any times. Oh, well, then you can't come to our church. Cause you're, I said, because we don't do that. It's not my yeah. job. That's between you and him. You got to answer to him, not to me. Yeah. And he kind of hung his head and walked away. And it was, it was, but I, my passion here in the, in the seminary is, and when I talk about that discipleship atmosphere is not only that they hear this, but they get a passion for it and they go out and do something about it. And that's really the passion behind this, this particular episode is the same thing. The great commission is not for the pastor. It's just the pastor. It is for every one of us. Mm-hmm. And if you don't feel confident, man, dig in, start, get, get, you know, find a way that you can simplify without losing the essence of what the gospel is and then find a way to integrate it into normal communication. You don't have to create this this confrontational moment. In fact, the gospel itself is confrontational enough. I always, always point them back to him. You don't have to answer to me for your beer. You got to answer to him. I'm not going to judge you. My job, I got a bunch of other things I've got problems with that I'm, uh, you know, I know I need to work on and I need grace in my life. So I'm not here to judge you because what well, you may struggle and I struggle in something different. But what I am telling you is my sin is against him. It's not against you. It's against him and your sins against him. Push him back to push him back to God every time. Mm-hmm. So, man, I, I think it's been good. You got anything you want to add to to wrap up? Uh, no, I got the glossy eyes. Don't I? <laughs> well, the fan is on high. So if you hear the background, uh, uh, yeah, we're in this type of season now that uh, it's getting hotter and hotter. Yes, it is. You know, and we're enclosed in this room. Can't turn on the AC because of the background noise. So yeah, no, no. But you know. Um, I, I guess for our listeners, I would just, you know, everyone's a disciple. Yep. Everyone's a disciple. So, or should be. It should be. And, uh, you know, if you accepted the Lord and nobody told you that you were a disciple, <laughs> you know, I guess we hate to break it to you, but yeah. <laughs> uh, you are a disciple. So the question is, is, are you a good disciple or a bad disciple? Yep. A good apprentice, a bad apprentice, because that's what you are. And you're, you're called to make other apprentices, yep. uh, get other people in on this. And, uh, you really, you, you can't make that happen, but you can, uh, water, you can plant the seed, throw water on it. And God, and God, God gives reasons. the increase. And, and, and so, um, yeah, I would just encourage you that you should be growing. You should be, be more like Christ. Uh, you should be, you should be, um, you know, running more toward Him, uh, in, in your life. And if you're not, you've got to ask yourself, what is it that you signed up for? If I could use that phrase in the beginning, yeah, yeah. What is it that you signed up for? You know, the same Holy Spirit that's in you and I is the same Holy Spirit that was in the Apostle Paul. We have no less of the Holy Spirit than he did. Uh, it's a matter of if we appropriate it. It's a matter of if we believe that. It's a matter of if we believe that God's got a job for us to do um, because He has all authority. So He has given, He's delegated that authority to us to get His message out. And um, it's not about being perfect at all because uh, we're clear. Paul tells us in Romans 7, we can't be perfect, but he is. And you know what's humbling, but it's also kind of just a, 
kind of a full completion of that as far as the gospel is concerned. Sometimes even the disciple will will go past you. <laughs> They'll get a concept that, that you have worked on your whole life spiritually, and they get something that they understand it, or it becomes reality in their life even quicker than it does for you. And that just shows that, that God loves his kids, and God works in hearts in different ways. And it's not about being better or knowing more, but it's just about being surrendered and humbled and and, and being willing to share his message and be willing, willing to make disciples important in lives and see people change for the gospel. Yeah, amen. I, I don't think discipleship ever stops. I mean, we we use categories to help us, um, like, you know, the same thing here at the church. We have a first steps. Then we have a deeper, more systematic um, that we would share in relationship to those that have proven on the first first steps, and you have, and then you have that. Then you know, we're working on something to do some doctrines, uh, doctrine teaching at the church level, and then you've got the Simca. You mm-hmm. know, there our seminary, which is going to be a lot more, a uh, lot deeper, broader, uh, more intense. Let's say so. If we were to have, let's say, at least three, if not four, levels of what we offer here at the ministry. But even if you graduate out of all of that, you're not done being a disciple. No, nope. you know it's not because no. it's more than a curriculum or a set of books or lessons right. or or whatever. I mean, you're a disciple until Jesus comes and gets you. Yep. You know, either by death or rapture. So yep. anyway, um, well, we've worn this out today. Yeah, we have 50 minutes and 15 seconds. So uh, the guys just want to challenge you: get out there and do the work. Um, the Holy Spirit is with you. He'll give you the answers you need. Keep studying, keep pouring in, but don't ever feel like you can't be used because uh, you have been called uh, to be a disciple. You've been you've been sent out to do uh, the, the work of the Great Commission, and he's with you. He's with you. So thanks for being with us. Thanks for listening to the podcast, and we're looking forward to seeing you next episode. Thanks so much. Thanks again for listening to the Vision Life 365 podcast. Be sure to check out our website, visionlife365.org. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast for a new episode each and every week. Thanks so much for being a part and being with us here. And we look forward to being with you again next week.